It's in the singing of the street corner choir. It's going home and getting warm by your mic, yeah. It's true wherever you find love. It feels like Muppetsational. A cup of white wine that will drink till we're pissed. Uh, a little podcast with a friend and a sister. In all the places you find love, it feels like Muppetsational. It is the season of the heart. A special time of caring. The ways of love made clear. And it is the season of the spirit. The podcast, if you hear it, will make it last all year. Yay! 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 <laughs> Surprise, everybody! We are doing the Muppets Christmas Carol for Christmas! Woo! I'm Lewis Chandler, and that was my own singing voice. <laughs> I'm Jade Turner, and that was definitely not my singing voice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and it's definitely not mine either, and I'm Emma Chandler. And we are here this week, as you've seen, not to discuss The Muppet Show, but we thought for the 30th anniversary of The Muppet's Christmas Carol that we would just dive into this warm, festive, mulled wine bath of a film. How are we both doing? Are we now all feeling festive? I am. I wasn't feeling festive at all before I watched the film. And then I watched it and I was like, oh, it's Christmas. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know. It was like all warm and cosy. It was like, oh, Christmas. It's so nice. I mean, I think it goes without saying that we've probably all seen this movie so many times. (laughs) I feel like I could genuinely like recount the entire movie words and all it's amazing how it's all just kind of in there it's it's such a christmas staple i mean i haven't watched it in a couple of years primarily because when we started doing the podcast i was a bit like oh i don't want to watch some of the newer ones and then feel like the especially the first season of the muppet show have that sense of like that being a bit tainted because it's so far away from the movies mm. but i feel like now that we're into season 2 and the Muppet Show is, has found its footing. I'm like, now I'm fine. I can watch the movies again. Like it's all, it's all good. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, it's um, it's funny, isn't it? When I was watching it, it was actually really nice to like recognize the names, recognize some of the more of the background puppets. Do you know what I mean? It, it was actually felt really familiar watching it again now. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Jade has just been delivered some mulled wine. Uh, I'm very jealous. And Rich has put it in. Oh. <gasps> The Muppetsational mug. That Emma got us printed. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so damn festive. That's very cute. And he's put zhuzh in it, I think. So that's good. Zhuzh? Lovely. Yeah, all good. All good. I've been uh, right-clicking. Peter and I are hosting a a holiday raclette party. And I've been uh, like right-clicking and saving on TikTok and Instagram uh, like recipes for festive nibbles (laughs) or um, a cranberry Christmas margarita, Mm. which looks fantastic that sounds nice i'm very excited there was <laughs> there was like this uh <laughs> somebody made like a charcuter tree oh my god <laughs> oh my god that sounds like, like a butterboard lewis <laughs> yeah no, sure. i've got my butterboard and my charcuter tree which was just like this foam triangle that they just stuffed like meats and cheeses on with cocktail sticks and it just looked uh it, that's a little bit much <laughs> so I, w- I won't be i won't be making a charcuter tree uh <laughs> As much as it would go great with the uh, with the raclette. Let's 
get in to discussing the movie. Jade, why don't you kick us off with a little production information? I will indeed. So this is going to be a bit longer than my usual production information because obviously it's a film, so there's quite a lot of people to talk about. You're going to read the full credits. <laughs> I'm not reading the full credits, so I will spare you that. But how will I know who the, the key grip was? Okay, I can look up the key grip if you need that. <laughs> Thank you. There is a fun credit that I have which I will finish with after I've done all the serious credits. Lovely. Okay, so... Muppets Christmas Carol was originally released on the 11th of December 1992 and as Brian Henson has said at the D23 panel the version with the missing song which we will obviously get on to (laughs) is going to be reinstated this year on Disney Plus on the film's official 30th birthday on the 11th of December 2022 which may or may not be the day that this comes out to be decided (laughs) to be decided yeah um so the film was written by Jerry Jewell and it's obviously based on A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, which is from 1843. Uh, as I've already mentioned, it's directed by Brian Henson, who we can talk a little bit more about in a second. Um, the songs are by Paul Williams. Score is by Miles Goodman. It was produced by Martin G. Baker, who again, like I say a bit more about in a sec, and Brian Henson, co-produced by Jerry Jewell and exec produced by Frank Oz. And... As we see when the film first starts, it was dedicated in loving memory of Jim Henson and Richard Hunt, because sadly it is the first production without either of them. Jim passed away in May 1990 and Richard in January 92. So Richard in particular was obviously a very recent loss to the Muppet family. Uh, So yeah, so just to go back and talk about some of those names who are obviously names we haven't necessarily mentioned before, although plenty that we have talked about a lot before... Um, So Brian Henson is Jane and Jim Henson's son. He'd worked for um, the Muppets and for the Jim Henson Company from a very, very young age. And he was appointed chairman of the Jim Henson Company after Jim's death. This is actually his first, this is his debut as a director. But yeah, as I said, he'd he'd done a lot of work. Um, He'd worked on the Muppet show. He built the first Muppet penguin puppet, Mm. which we're actually going to see in season three. So I'm looking forward to that. He'd also worked on the bicycle sequence in The Great Muppet Caper. He did a marionette work for The Muppets Take Manhattan, um, in particular the scene where the rats cook food in a diner. Oh, cool. Yeah. He's done a lot of puppeteering. Uh, so he performed Jack Pumpkinhead in Return to Oz. He would also uh, was the principal performer on or- the Audrey 2 puppet for Little Shop of Horrors. And he was one of the main characters, Hoggle, in Labyrinth. So, you know, did a, did a lot of, had done a lot of work, obviously worked very closely with his dad and the whole Muppets gang. So he directed Christmas Carol and then also, I assume we'll cover this at some point, he did Muppets Treasure Island, which uh, <laughs> is another favourite of all of ours. And then just to quickly go over some of those other names. So the score by Miles Goodman, uh, he's a composer who had worked with Frank Oz quite a lot. He wrote the score for Little Shop of Horrors, um, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, amongst others. Oh. The producer, Martin G. Baker, he was actually the floor manager for The Muppet Show, and then basically on later Muppet productions, as well as lots of other different productions, became a producer. Um, so not really surprising that he produced this alongside Brian. And then obviously I'm guessing having Jerry Jewell as co-producer and Frank Oz as exec producer 
was sort of those guiding, uh, you know, those guiding lights to make sure that this did still feel very much in keeping with the Jim Henson and Muppet ethos and everything. I have other, uh, I've written down other people who worked on the film, um, who, who no doubt we'll talk about as we get through our discussion of it. Um, but I just want to give a shout out to a crazy credit, as I'm sure IMDb would have it down. Uh, Rizzo's personal caterer is listed in the credits as Mark McAniff. So good job, Mark oh. McAniff, for keeping that rat fed. <laughs> he, he's here for the food. He's here, he's for, here the food, for the food. And Mark McAniff was making sure that he got his food. God, cute. And I suppose one other final shout out was that it was made at Shepperton Studios. Lovely. Yeah. And Emma, we don't really have a guest star this week, but I guess we do have Michael Caine. So <laughs> <laughs> any tidbits? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jade. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Sir Michael Caine uh, was born Morris Micklewhite in 1935 in Rotherhive. Oh, that's near me. Yeah, he's an actor and he has appeared in over 160 films um, with his career spanning seven decades. He's been in films such as Zulu, The It, Chris File, Alfie, The Italian Job, um, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, which you mentioned earlier, Jade. Um, and obviously Muppets Christmas Carol in yes. 1992. Um, he's also been in Batman Begins um, as the butler Alfred, and he's been in several Christopher Nolan movies. Emma, how dare you not mention his star turn in Miss Congeniality? <laughs> oh, of course, Miss Congeniality, my favourite film. <laughs> Clyde. <laughs> it's not the bloody ice capades. <laughs> <laughs> Great film. Oh. <laughs> Oh, he is, um, I mean, Michael Caine is a legend. I really hope that the curse of Emma talking about him is not going to... Oh my God, no. (laughs) Kill him before Christmas. Maybe we just need to stop saying this now. (laughs) I feel like Emma's getting a a complex about this. Yeah. Black Widow. (laughs) (laughs) Finishing them all off. I mean, Michael Caine is an icon. He is so good in this movie. I mean, there's that sort of famous quote that people Mm. always talk about, and he always says when he talks about The Muppets Christmas Carol, that he approached it fully seriously. And he said, like, he was going to approach it like it's the Royal Shakespeare Company, and these are actors, and I'm going to play it straight and not with a wink to the camera. And... It's it just sets the right tone from the off. And I don't know about you two, and I don't know how many other versions of the Christmas Carol you've seen. I feel like his is like my my seminal Ebenezer Scrooge. I've never seen one that I think captures it better than him. Yeah, I think he's great. I think he really, really captures Scrooge. I think there's something about you know, he he plays it so straight, but also he is genuinely quite menacing and cruel yeah. at the start. Mm. Scary. Definitely. And I also think it's the way it's shot as well. Um, yes. Which, yeah, I definitely want to talk about in a minute a bit more. But I think you really start to see him thawing and opening up as you get into like those those scenes of the present in particular Mm. and then he's just heartbreaking because he is getting you know he's sort of like oh i'm enjoying myself and i'm loving it and he he plays that really well but then it all comes crashing down when he realizes that none of these people who he thinks he has a a good relationship with feel the same way about him Mm. and i think there's just something very subtle but also effortless i guess in his performance that you just sort Mm. of like you see all of that and you really really do actually feel for him and you go on the journey with him yeah i think scrooge can quite often just be 
mean and nasty and then it's like oh no what have i done and you're like okay yeah sure but mm. i think you do actually feel like he has changed genuinely i think there's also something about if we're just talking about the film generally this to me is the best adaptation of a christmas carol i mean obviously you have that oh what's the name is it albert finney yeah is that, is that like yeah. the black and white one? Yes, yeah. Yeah, which is like grey and it's quite creepy. But there's something about the fact that it's the Muppets that the joy feels more joyful. And then when they're gone, the absence and the coldness that comes and the the three puppets playing the ghosts are such fantastic creations. It just really runs the full sort of spectrum of the story i feel like it captures the sweetness and the joy and then it has melancholy so well and then it has sort of moments of fear and real sadness about it it just it does everything i definitely agree like even you know a bit like when rizzo's like should be worried about the kids in the audience and then <laughs> gonzo's like nah it's culture like it's definitely there are dark moments in that film especially in the first half of it mm. you get the setup and obviously you meet him in the first instance uh playing scrooge and especially the bit where he's in his rooms and the bit where he like really beats that dressing gown with that that iron poker yeah. i was like oh wow this is quite and it was so creepy and dark mm. and like you were saying jade the way it was shot it was like quite sort of horror filmy vibe and actually like even i know i'm probably going a little bit ahead but when we get to the marley and marley song mm. you forget that is quite a creepy song and especially with the chains like yeah. they're choking them near the end i know when they're getting like dragged back to i presume hell <laughs> you know they're like <laughs> as we watch it's Waldorf quite brutal waldorf and statler drag me to hell <laughs> like it's just we're marley and marley avarice and greed Took advantage of the poor, just ignored the needy. We specialized in causing pain, spreading fear and doubt. And if you could not pay the rent, we simply threw you out. <laughs> there was the year we evicted the entire orphanage. Uh, I remember the little tykes all standing in the snowbank with their little frostbitten teddy bears. I mean, I used to know kids who were genuinely scared by the, the door knocker sequence with, uh, you know, the face. Because the way that the camera is used and, and which, is it Waldorf or Statler? It's Statler. Statler. Because the way that the, even the, the door bulges outwards, it's just really gorgeously done. And there's something about the fact that it's practically done and it's not just, uh, I mean, obviously, like, the, the transition isn't. But... It just works really well because that has so has the capacity just to be humorous to have the face of a puppet appearing at the door, but you, it's not. It's scary. I'm just going to say this because I'm, I'm sure you might have seen it as well, Jade. I think on Moppet Wiki I saw that when they were trying to work out the ghosts that they were thinking of doing the normal characters, but then yeah. they decided not to do that because mm. they wanted that little bit of like ethereal scariness about them. If you, not not so much the ghost of like Christmas present, but definitely like you know past and future there's something very scary about that uh, soft boiled egg girl that Shh. is just <laughs> i got like bruce swartz vibes oh, i love oh, it oh my god her face yeah. yeah i haven't ever realized how much her face doesn't move i guess maybe yeah. because i was watching and it when with, like, she a more when she reaches eye. out the arm as yeah. well <laughs> the t- a tiny little Kristen wig doll hand <laughs> do 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the ghosts were originally conceived as piggy as the ghost of christmas present Scooter or Robin as the ghost of Christmas past and Gonzo or Animal 
as the ghost of Christmas yet to come. And then they basically, I think, realised that they weren't... I think Muppet Wiki used the word ominous, which I think is quite a good word. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I suppose... I think there's got to be something about the gravity of those characters. You know, you've got to you've got to feel their presence. And I do think, I mean, it absolutely was the right move because I think to have had familiar Muppets, you'd have been constantly waiting for them to do something a bit Muppety. And mm. instead of that, again, those those characters can play their parts completely straight mm. because they're not known characters or you know, that are, that are coming with any preconceived notions for the audience. It's why it's such a good choice having Gonzo literally play Charles Dickens and have Rizzo there. And to have them sort of um, be omniscient, obviously, that they make a joke out of. But also that it allows for moments of levity when it's needed. But it also doesn't distract from the main action, which is all being played very sincerely. I think it's such a good choice. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting that they, at the end, when Scrooge is having his major breakthrough and turning point and everything that they decided i'm gonna guess it was jerry jewel who maybe made that decision that to have gonzo and rizzo leave at the end Mm. so that they're not there making their quips and doing their japes and everything so that like that bit that's actually really i mean i've always found the ending or that you know that section with the ghost of christmas yet to come as a child i was petrified of it i found that really scary he he's a brilliant creation he looks i mean he looks like he's made of stone like the way that Mm. they've done those creases and that those robes yeah yeah Yeah. and the like mottled effect on the robes and everything and he's so still yeah he's got such gravity about him it's really it is really dark and really like very very genuinely scary quite honestly (laughs) i love their little time travel effect as well Mm. the sort of the warping into a spiral of the background that then behind them just sort of warps back into place i think it's such a gorgeous like choice Mm. um, aesthetically you know rather than it just being a portal or i don't know it's it's just really cool there's some really interesting Sorry, we are jumping about all over the place, but there's so much to talk about. But I want to go back and talk about Scrooge's entrance in a second with the camera work there. But just talking about those sort of transitions when the ghosts are there and things as well. I think like the bright white light is great for the ghosts of Christmas past. I think that's so dazzling mm. and it's such a strong, there's such a like luminosity to that light compared to the warmth that we've had before. But also- It's a bit kind of Kubrickian. Yeah, <laughs> if a little I may. bit, a little bit. <laughs> But then even like when they're showing all of the ghosts, when they're showing Scrooge around, you know, there's quite interesting use of like panning where you pan into the ghosts and then you pan out the other side and, you know, they're suddenly in front of Bob Cratchit's house or something. And there's like a little, there's a little sound effect that kind of sort of, that's what tells you they've traveled through space and time. But all it is, is, you know, obviously a clever cut. It's done really, really well. And I think like, I mean... It's so hard to sort of compare it to what we've been watching with The Muppet Show because obviously this is, what, 15 years apart? It's a, it's a long time in terms of development and clearly the budget's going to be so much bigger than this. I mean, it's also just impressive knowing that this is actually Brian Henson's first film. Like, I mean, there's a real confidence in the mm. direction and the camera work and everything that, I mean, again, I'm assuming that part of that was coming from not only him being around the Muppets for so long but also having the people still feed in who had worked on all of the previous Muppet movies and everything um but yeah can we go back to talk about the camera work and the color and everything (laughs) because I yes okay so Scrooge the opening song 
I think is is so so clever how it uses the camera and how it introduces him as a character. When a cold wind blows, it chills you, chills you to the bone. But there's nothing in nature that freezes your heart like years of being alone. It paints you with indifference like a lady paints with rouge. And the worst of the worst, the most hated and cursed, is the one that we call Scrooge. Unkind as any, and the wrath of many, this is Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, there goes Mr. Humbug, there goes Mr. Grimm. If they gave a prize for being mean, the winner would be him. You get that opening canted shot looking up at a very, very jaunty angle and he looms into the into the frame and he looks absolutely petrifying. I love then that like the rest of the song is basically told from Muppet height, yeah. which I think has two effects. One, it puts you into that Muppet world, which I think is really important for a Muppet film because... I mean, you don't necessarily get it throughout the rest of the film that much, but I think it just sort of reminds you that you're like with the Muppets and that you're, you're, you're down at waist height rather than up with everyone else. But also it just like, it really builds that anticipation of you seeing Michael Caine in all of his grisly splendour as Scrooge. <laughs> grisly splendour. <laughs> um, I wasn't really sure what to say then. That was the best I could come up with. Um... And I think like there's some, you know, you keep seeing his feet hitting the floor. There's a really, really cold grey colour palette. You get all of these different canted shots of the the street scenes. Obviously, there's like just a menagerie of different Muppets coming out to sing that song, uh, which is super fun, um, including George. Which was- <laughs> I know. I was like, George is back in showbiz. <laughs> he he did made it. it. <laughs> he did it. But yeah, like, I just think it's, this might be hyperbolic but i honestly think it's probably one of the best introductions of a character with the song which is like for me is a lot of fun um Mm. but then actually like all of the choices they've made just underscore how evil and mean this character is yeah even the vegetables don't like him (laughs) it's just there are so many lines in this i'm gonna have to i'm really having to resist just sort of like quoting the entire thing just like over and over again (laughs) so i feel we should mention i mean the one of the big differences that we have between obviously the Muppet Show that we're working through and then Christmas Carol is Rizzo being a big prominent Muppet with a full, fully developed character and is kind of aligned with all the major Muppets, which is very odd when you now go back and watch the Muppet Show and he's not there. And even subsequent Muppet projects where Rizzo is given a, a kind of lesser billing. And it's such a shame because he's such a great character. He's amazing in this. I think the patter between him and Gonzo is absolutely spot on, but also just Rizzo on his own, doing his own thing. He gets launched through the air. He gets dunked in frozen water. He gets set on fire. Uh, like the lamp, not the rat. <laughs> Sorry, I will I know, stop. he lands on like a hot goose. <laughs> flaming hot yeah, goose. Flaming hot goose. <laughs> His little feet just doing yeah. a little... It looks like he's like tap this. dancing on the goose. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that even the, the goose kind of like jiggles mm. a little bit as it's going around on its little spit. I mean... Kind of went sidebar because I don't know how else we'll be able to mention this. Um, <laughs> the scene where Peter Cratchit is, <laughs> is <laughs> turning the little goose on the fire has since Peter and I have now been together for nearly six years, and 
Emma is unable to ever, ever sort of reference Peter or talk about Peter without at least at some point going, Peter! <laughs> you do it as well, though. Yeah. Peter. <laughs> I do, I do do it as well. It's just... <laughs> And it's just because it's, it's such a like a cute little frog, you know, little earnest frog, a little earnest frog, which is Peter, and I am Miss Piggy. Like it works, but like it's one to one in terms of, uh, except he's not my son. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, and then like I told Peter about it, and now we've sort of I sometimes do it to him as well. But then whenever we cook something, it's like he goes, "It smells so good, Louis." <laughs> <laughs> Or I'll be like, it smells so good, Petey. <laughs> We've got, it's, it's really been fully integrated. So for us, it's it's the Muppets Christmas Carol all year long. <laughs> <laughs> I should also mention that in the time the uh, the time that I was in a musical production of a Christmas Carol, I played Peter Cratchit, <laughs> who is a character who does not get much to do. <laughs> You were literally going to say it's a character who has no lines. <laughs> <laughs> no, he got lines. I actually, have, he has the same line in this as I had on the show. It's like, I think he's been walking a little slower these past two evenings. Ooh. And I literally did. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, I literally based my performance. <laughs> on the frog. Even then, as on, on the frog puppet from Muppet's Christmas Carol. Carol. <sighs> <sighs> Peter. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? <laughs> She's so brilliant. They make you wait so long for Miss Piggy yeah. to show up. And she's so fantastic in it. Every line she's given, every little choice. And she's also heartbreaking later mm. on. It's so sad. The sequence with the ghost of Christmas yet to come when uh, you see the Cratchits mourning Tiny Tim is incredibly, incredibly moving. And I feel like it kind of blindsides you. Like it comes out of nowhere a little bit. But I don't know exactly the the chemistry and the magic that they've put together to make it so moving. Because actually, yeah, like the way that Frank is playing Piggy in the earlier sequence when we see them gives you no indication that she's going to sort of be like that at, at this point. But there's just the way that Piggy is and also then the way that obviously Steve Whitmire is doing Kermit now because Jim has sadly passed on you know, the way that Kermit reacts as well, like, there's just such a, I don't know, like, I guess there's like a solemn grace to it. Like, they're so, there's like, they're bearing their burden so admirably. And I think that's something that we don't really see that often with the Muppets. It's not a shade you see in, no, exactly. It's not a shade you see in them. Mm. I wish I could ever be described as having a solemn grace. (laughs) It's (laughs) never going to happen. (laughs) There's two adjectives that have never, never, ever been given to me. I think Emma has like a a solemn dignity. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe a quiet grace to her. But I'm just all like... Like it's just... (laughs) I think there's also something in... Uh, I like just generally the cinematography in this is stunning. Like the use mm. of candlelight and warmth and big pools of darkness, and then only sort of like a flicker of light is so so clever. And I think the way mm. that like the warmth is dialed up or dialed down is also great. Like mm. there's so much life and color in like say the fuzzy wig sequence. Oh. Um, but then when you get to the end, and especially this bit that we were just talking about, like 
it's actually really quite cold and stark colours. Mm. And I think that really feeds into it as well. It does. They've clearly put a lot of time and effort into all of the different like moods and emotions that you're going to go through in the whole film. Mm. It's a gorgeous palette. Yeah. It's the, one of my favourite little transitions is the bit, it's at the end of the, the Cratchit dinner scene in the Christmas present section where you have Michael Caine standing there and the, and the lights go down and there's this really mm. gorgeous score underneath of just these violins going like... And Ghost of Christmas Present is holding on to Michael Caine and a breeze is blowing and it's and the, and the light fades down and you have Gonzo's lovely narration of like Scrooge watched until the last, you know, flicker of light, you know, and it's just so beautiful and you're like, this is a Muppets movie mm. and it's just, it's stunning i love it yeah that's a really really poignant touching moment it's really really great i can get emotional just thinking about them singing bless us all there's them lit by candles and just you know the lyrics are so nice and like you know let us run from anger and catch us when we fall it's just really lovely you go on like an emotional roller coaster watching this film you really do like, it's heavy. God bless us, everyone. Life is full of sweet surprises. Every day's a gift. The sun comes up and I can feel it lift. My spirit fills me up with laughter, fills me up with song. I look into the eyes of love and know that I belong. Bless us all who gather here, the loving family I hold dear. No place on earth compares with home, and every path will bring me back from where I roam. Bless us all that as we live, we always comfort But then you get moments of just absolute muppety joy as well. I mean, oh my God, just to jump back to the beginning, Beaker and Bunsen Honeydew mm. turning up, like collecting donations for the poor. The moment Beaker pops around, just goes, me moo, me moo, me moo, moo. And it's just, it's just... Um, did you both know that Beaker and Bunsen Honeydew had a song that was cut from this sequence that is available on Spotify. <laughs> I discovered this today and I haven't listened to it yet, but I want to. It's, it's a joy. It shouldn't be cut. If there's footage that exists of that as well, they should put it back in. I don't think they ever filmed it, Lewis. No, I don't think they shot it. I think I read that as well. Oh, it's such a lovely little song. Yeah, I would recommend everybody look up Room in Your Heart is what it's called. Uh on on spotify i mean listen to the entire soundtrack it's it's a joy i love beaker's outfit in particular i think dr bunsen looks great too but i think beaker looks amazing that very tall skinny top hat which is just perfect (laughs) you know it's like it's what fits his head it's just amazing and then that beautiful scarf he's wearing (laughs) a lovely scarlet red yes (laughs) so lovely i mean they all look great in the whole 
the whole film like there's clearly been so much thought and attention put into making sure that the outfits feel period but then also really complement the moppet characters Mm, that we already know gonzo's ensemble that beautiful kind of velvet timothy chalamet as willy wonka (laughs) as wonka (laughs) (laughs) can you see I know, I loved that day on Twitter when everybody was just posting side by side of Timothy Chalamet, (laughs) Timothy Chalamet as Wonka and Gonzo from Muppets Christmas Carol being like, it's the same. No difference. (laughs) Yeah. No, anyway, sorry, carry on. Gonzo's gorgeous little outfit. Gorgeous outfit, but the way that the velvet red goes with the blue of his fur and just, oh, the layering. I just, oh, I love it. It's great. Polly Smith did the costumes and I'm very sorry, I forgot to look up any more information about what else she worked on. But if you two want to carry on talking about costumes, I can look it up very quickly. <laughs> oh, do. I'd be interested like, uh, to hear what else she's done. Emma, I mean, there's so many gorgeous little Muppety bits in here. Is there like a particular favourite bit of Muppet business that you really enjoy? Like comedy business? I think I enjoy it when they start getting into one more sleep till Christmas and you've got Bob and the like rat bookkeepers. <laughs> And they're shenanigans. Shenanigans! So good. So good. When they're starting to tidy stuff away and they're like, whoa, 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 <laughs> back up, back up. And like the bit where they're like, you know, being launched to try and close the blinds and put yeah. the books away. And then you've got that little rat that's in like the top of the stove. Oh, oh, yeah. That's a great. I love that bit. And also the little bit with their, when they're trying to obviously. Uh, get their uh they're saying about the cold and everything and then like scrooge is kind of shouting at them and they're like this is my island in the sun oh. oi, oi. that's a great bit i always remember that also being i can't remember what disney video it was but in the advert for muppets christmas carol on that video they always used to use i just always remember that joke uh coming up the rats are particularly great um, the whole sequence of, yeah, one more sleep till Christmas is lovely. Right from the moment that Kermit blows out a candle mm. so convincingly that I go, that frog is alive. It's so gorgeous. It's so, so nice. And then, I mean, for me, the penguins Christmas party where they're just out and, and skating and it's just, <laughs> and I love that they're just like, wah, wah, wah. like they don't talk. They're just like wandering around. I find it so but I also really like that they obviously used that. They were thinking like, oh, what's a way that we can get some of that like Muppety special effects mm. magic into this? And, you know, there's there's not really that many things in Christmas Carol that necessarily lend themselves to like seeing Kermit, the equivalent of seeing Kermit on a bike or something. But like that they came up with that. And that then meant that he could do some ice skating, which was delightful. Yeah. And then also that we got Gonzo and Rizzo yeah. sliding around on the ice, which I don't know yeah. what you two thought, but I genuinely thought that like the way that Gonzo slides in, does that little turn and then carries on, like it almost looked like a ride to me. Like I could almost see that being like a little ride vehicle that just sort of did that swooshing motion. And I was like, oh. Rizzo got to go on the coolest ride. I'm so jealous. Uh, Jade, do not get in my mind the idea of having a, a permanent Muppets Christmas Carol ride oh, somewhere. Do I don't know in Epcot. in Epcot. <laughs> they cancelled that yeah. Mary Poppins ride. They need to establish a Muppets Christmas Carol ride instead. That'd be amazing. Yes. Oh, I wish we got a Mary Poppins ride. <laughs> I love the fact that in this film they like peppered it with so many like effects, like you say, to kind of make every sort of one seem so lifelike. Because mm. obviously I know you said about the bit where Kermit 
blow out the candle, but then when he locked the door as well, <gasps> yeah. and like the sort of skating, the walking, you know, the wide shots where you just see them walking along the road and everything. I just thought mm. they put so much attention to detail into like these little extra like magical mm. shots I thought throughout the film. The little sequence of Kermit and Robin walking yeah. down the street and doing a yeah. ding, ding, bang, ding, ding. It's, oh, it's beautiful. And I mean, you know that it's just, there's a big rolling sort of bit of pavement that they're just, you know, patting the feet up and down on. But obviously they must be green screened out or... I don't know, hidden in some way to have them just bobbing along so perfectly. It's um with that you see the snow on the bottom of his flippers as well. Like it's such a yeah. nice little touch, but it you know, it just adds to that sense of realism of like Kermit's walking in the snow. <laughs> You're like fully invested in that universe. Mm. The fact that they decide to put in obviously human actors and also they also use at like real life animals as well along with like the muppets and the muppet animals and everything i think it's really clever how they've done that because you don't question it at all like everyone just like seems you know like the interaction with everyone it's just like nobody kind of bats an eyelid whether they're talking to like a muppet or a human mm. i think it's a really like they've done that really cleverly as well and even the way the sets are built they're obviously they're doing a lot of forced perspective it never there's only maybe like one or two moments where you sort of the 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 trick doesn't quite work i'm sort of thinking in the it feels like christmas sequence where they have the big sort of pan out dance where they're all spinning around that sort of i don't know like the little the town circle and you see sort of like the perspective of the very far back of the sort of square you're suddenly like oh that's a lot closer than it seems and is smaller but otherwise it cuz it must be very difficult to design outdoor locations that can look right for Muppets and humans and and still have a variety of shots to be able to choose from. It's not it's not like in the, the Muppet theatre where you can just, you know, have them behind a desk. No, I think they did an amazing job at trying to balance that. And you can see that they are, I guess, a bit like our backstage set being seven-eighth size or whatever. Like, you can yeah. see that they are obviously that little bit smaller, but... Yeah, it's been filmed in a way that it's convincing enough that you don't, you know, you're not spending the whole runtime questioning it, going, oh, what, what is that door? Michael Caine can't fit through that door. <laughs> yeah. The um, the one shot that really, really stood out to me, and I just think they didn't quite get it 100%, was when you see the mice and you get the ghost of Christmas present behind them. Mm. And there's just like... I'm just not 100% sure exactly where he's meant to be in relation to the mice. But that's I think that's actually more of like a CG issue than anything else. Like, I think they just obviously comped him in mm. a bit weirdly. But yeah, like the rest of it, it's just so charming. Like, you just, you kind of forgive any of those like crane shots or whatever where it doesn't quite look 100. Like, you know, you're like, mm, maybe not. But then you're also like, oh, I don't care. Like, this oh, is a yeah. Muppet well, universe. I really don't like, I don't mind. <laughs> yeah well there's even a moment in that bookkeeping sequence uh in the in the one more sleep till christmas where you see the rods of the puppeteers pushing the mm -hmm. the mice who are pushing the books rats um and you just don't mind and also it's so fleeting anyway but it's, it's something i caught on maybe the you know the 26th watch of this <laughs> you know seasonal watching of it but yeah it all that it, it still works it's um yeah it's so it's so gorgeously detailed um did you find any other um costume work that the uh is it polly did yeah so polly smith uh she actually still works with the muppets and sesame street and she worked oh. on a lot of uh muppets and sesame street productions so she was also the costume designer on muppets take manhattan 
uh, costume designer on a Muppet Family Christmas. Some beautiful jumpers in a Muppet Family Christmas. Muppet Treasure Island, Muppets from Space, Muppets Wizard of Oz. Uh, Yeah, as recently as 2019, she's credited as a costume designer on Sesame Street, but also still listed as a costumer as recently as this year on Fraggle Rock, Back to the Rock. Um, But yeah, Sesame Street, Blue's Clues, Kermit's Swamp Years, Dark Crystal, and also The Muppet Show, although later seasons. Um, So it looks like season four and season five, she worked on of The Muppet Show. But yeah, so lots of great Muppet costumes have clearly come from Polly Smith. But yeah, as you were saying, Lewis, like I think the layering is great with this because I think there's... It's one thing to just put someone in like a fancy coat, but to have all of those different layers and textures and everything really, really builds that picture and also makes you feel that cold that they were obviously all feeling as well. Mm. I mean, I say they were obviously all, like, I mean, you know, back in the 1800s, I don't mean at Shepperton. <laughs> <laughs> no, I see. <laughs> Very drafty Shepperton. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So, as you mentioned earlier, Jade, another reason we were compelled to do this, as well as it being the 30th anniversary, is the reinstating of the beautiful ballad, When Love Is Gone, sung by Meredith Braun and later joined by Michael Caine. So obviously we take it as a given that this song is in the movie because we all grew up with the VHS where the song is just seamlessly in there. To then discover on TV viewings and then internet discourse that this song was not in the original theatrical release of the film and then was just not there. I found it so jarring the first few times I watched it and also genuinely very annoying because part of the reason they said they cut it in the first place was because they thought kids would not sit through a ballad. How dare you, sir? Like I, as a sensitive little boy, loved watching Meredith Braun in her little bonnet sing a forlorn ballad about an engagement that is now failing. It's it's (laughs) touching. It's so sweet and lovely. I think it's crazy that they ever cut this because it really is the heart of the film and you get so much character emotional development for Scrooge in this song and the way that he you know really lets it out and really like is not afraid to basically be sobbing you know while she's singing and to join in with her as well I think I mean it's just madness to me that they were like nah you can cut that no one cares about that you can just cut straight to like one small tear 
trickling down his face and we'll just we'll just move it on from there it's such a lovely song it's really really gorgeous and it's an important character beat mm. and it gets reprised at the end yeah exactly yeah well, and not only does it get reprised at the end but straight away afterwards as you go into the next scene you get a little instrumental Refrain. version instrumental. of it too yeah. so you know it's not even just at the end it's it's actually <laughs> it's immediately too <laughs> yeah just ugh, it makes no sense to me and i think ugh, i love it so much i've sung that song so many times <laughs> just, just to myself i was always going to sing it in a concert once and then we uh we ended up cutting it and i was gutted <laughs> i really wanted to sing it <laughs> the one thing i will say about this though uh having watched it with a more critical eye obviously for this uh for this very reason is that Judy Collins's forest that they're standing in? Because <laughs> <laughs> when you were getting those camera shots through the white wood, I was like, hello, I've been here before. And there was a woodpecker <laughs> and an owl last time. Where are they? <laughs> What's going I'm gonna go on sing here? To, yeah, I'm going to go sing to the woodpecker now. <laughs> it's like, okay, all right. <laughs> you just see her and Florence Henderson just like, milling about in the far yeah. distance of the woods just for a and just like lost in her caftan just, just like, like trying to... we're still here <laughs> the owl didn't show us where to go <laughs> side note young scrooge is a ride he is that is a <laughs> that is a hot young man who looks quite a lot like michael kane <laughs> do you know who he is do you know what he did subsequently but shall i look him i'll look him up real quick i'm Hold sure on. i have before to be fair like <laughs> You probably follow him on Instagram, Lewis. How dare... To be fair, he's probably like 60 now. If he was like 30 then. I don't think he's 30 in that, is he? Well, you know, late 20s. He's nearly in his 60s. There's so many young Scrooges. Hold on, I'm just trying to figure out which one he is. <laughs> Find the right one. So, so many young Scrooges. Oh, speaking of, while you're looking that up, what's with that weird moment in the Ghost of Christmas Past sequence where... They're going through the bunch of different young Scrooges, and one of them has the clearest Australian accent you have ever heard. It's so weird. When he goes, who cares about stupid old Christmas? And you're like, where was Kath and Kim in this? It's so weird. I mean, the only thing I can think of is that it was like an American child actor, and they thought they were doing a British accent. I don't know, but like, I wonder if it's just somebody on the production's kid. I don't know. It's just such an odd thing, because it's like, it's... It's clear as a bell. It's like, oh, sorry, we missed the bit in the sequence where where Ebenezer Scrooge spent like five years in in Australia. Who cares about stupid old Christmas? <laughs> I am over you, A V A H O. It's nice. It's different. It's unusual. It's nice. Oh my god! I'm very effluent, Kim. <laughs> So I think I found him. Yeah. <laughs> Lewis is like details now, address, yeah, phone up. number. <laughs> All right. I'm not a pervert, Jade. I'm just horny. Like it just <laughs> <laughs> Raymond Coltard is his name. He was born in 1968, so he's what in Jesus. his 50s. Yeah, that's weird to think. He's still working. He was in an episode of Gentleman Jack. This year. Good for him. Uh, I'm just looking at what else. I mean, a lot of British TV stuff. Silent Witness, Doctors, uh, Mr. Raymond Selfridge. Coulthard, did you say? Mm. I'm just looking up. Oh, yeah. Oh, he can still get it. Good eyebrows. 
Good for him. Muppet Christmas Carol was actually his first screen role, according to IMDb. So that's interesting. Wow. Good for him. <laughs> Sorry, just scrolling now. <laughs> Can we also just say before we move on from When Love Is Wait, Gone? What? That... <laughs> oh yeah, I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> the bit at the end where Rizzo is sobbing and covering his oh, eyes. Oh, I know. I literally wrote that down. I was like, Rizzo is crying. It's so sad. Oh, Rizzo. <laughs> it's just... Oh. It's really... And he's really, like, he's, like, yeah, heaving sobs. Yeah, he is. He's absolutely beside himself. It's so sweet. Which, again, feels like an outsized reaction if you cut the ballad. It's like, all right, Rizzo, calm down. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, why are you so invested? It's because he's just listened to a two and a half minute song about <laughs> about Scrooge's, <laughs> Scrooge's fiance breaking up the marriage. Engagement. Whatever. Gonzo and Rizzo are such a fabulous pairing in this. Um, do we Do we all have, like, a favourite bit or sequence for them or joke? Okay, so I think my favourite part is where the bit where they are the uh, lamp lighters. <laughs> oh, yeah. And where he's like, light the lamp, not the rat. And then, you know, like Gonzo sets him alight with real fire. <laughs> they love real fire in the Muppets. <laughs> Emma's, he... Emma's like... <laughs> Emma, this was a Walt Disney production, though, so there was at least a health and safety person around, okay? Yeah. I was going to say, there probably was a health and safety person, not like on the Muppet show. Yeah. And then obviously when he falls into the, like vat of ice cold water it's, not, it's, it's a barrel time... emma it's an old timey barrel it's not a vat <laughs> yeah the barrel yeah. and then obviously we see him as the little like rat popsicle <laughs> that you know gonzo brings in and like smashes in like fozzy wigs and mom's christmas party yeah. they are really missing a trick in disneyland for not selling like christmas themed chocolate rizzo the rats on a stick like <laughs> that you can like like you should be able like, to crack open the white oh layer God, yeah, and there should be, be so a good. milk chocolate rat and rizzo the rat underneath you know just print money like you're leaving money on the table you're leaving money on the table disney to not make a chocolate a white chocolate rizzo the rat icicle popsicle it's just oh. but if you do make it disney we're coming for you because that is our idea. Yeah, oh okay. yeah, I'll, I'll, you think you think uh, <laughs> Disney's litigious? Just, just you, just you wait. I will lawyer up. Uh, I think I've remembered mine. I think it's when Gonzo is using Rizzo as a bellows. Oh damn it! Oh sorry, yes. <laughs> oh, it's such a good little. Sequel. It's so great. It's such a great little. You know, it's just a quick gag, but such a yeah. great bit of like, and not commented upon. Just it just does it. It's just yeah. It's, they literally just pan over <laughs> yeah. to it, and you're like, okay, yeah, I accept that. I love it, it and it's such a good bit of puppeteering as well. That must have been actually quite complex to to pull off. Okay, <laughs> sorry, um, Lewis. <laughs> no, it's fine. I'm gonna go for um <laughs> the sequence, the flying sequence where the ghost of Christmas past and Scrooge are, are flying to the past and the entire sequence where Gonzo lassoes <laughs> he and Rizzo onto like Michael Caine's ankle and they are just flying through the sky and when they land in the past and they descend and you could just hear them going through like an entire barnyard and coming out with a real chicken on them and and Gonzo's like oh Rizzo this is like I don't know Camille Louise he says it's Louise, Louise. Oh, yeah. Rizzo this is Louise he's like we've met and, just, and then for them to finally land and then Rizzo to turn around and then the cat's there like and he gets chased around and Gonzo just being like Rizzo stop playing with that cat 
Just that, I think that entire flying sequence is great. The ending is brilliant to that though, because the whole bit with Louise is like, of course Gonzo knows this chicken. And even if he doesn't, he's made very fast friends with the chicken. Oh yeah. And then- Oh my God, no. I've realised the other bit that has to be mentioned. The little kiss that Rizzo does on the end of Gonzo's nose. Just when they're having the little fight, he just goes, (laughs) it's just so (laughs) sweet. And I think that I read that that was improvised and they just, uh, they kept it in, which I think is lovely. Yeah. I did like that we still, we do still get some gonzo chicken business. Like when he turns up to the party and the chicken goes past in a fancy outfit and he's like, hello, just can't, can't help it. (laughs) Oh, and, and obviously like the, the other, the button of, oh, I fell down a chimney and landed on a flaming hot goose. (laughs) And gonzo's like, oh, some people get all the luck. (laughs) flaming hot goose have i ever have you ever eaten goose no no i don't think i have either what's it i mean is it any different to eating a duck are they the same animal no, no. A, a goose is different from a duck <laughs> sorry i have a feeling that goose is like a cheaper cut of meat yeah so i would guess there's I, I, yeah i mean you know not eating meat i obviously am not exactly versed in this but i think it's probably fallen out of fashion because it's just not as nice as other forms of poultry. It's other delicious poultry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, Gonzo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know when, because obviously, yeah, like back then, goose was the staple for Christmas. I don't know when turkey took over. The enormous turkey that they <laughs> that they that they spring on the Cratchits. Miss Piggy is going to be cooking for days <laughs> to uh, try and. Cook. How is Bean Bunny carrying that turkey? <laughs> Oh, we haven't talked about Bean Bunny yet. Another character that I think between this and Muppet Vision 3D, I assumed was an integral part of the <laughs> Muppet family, was was up there with all of the best Muppets. And, yeah. you know, have subsequently found out that is not the case. Not, absolutely not. <laughs> oh, little Bean Bunny shivering in his paper oh, bag. Oh, it's heartbreaking. The little moment where... Scrooge slams the door in his face and he he starts to walk away and then he yeah. hears the door open and his tiny yeah. bit of hope and he turns around and then he throws the reef at him. It's like, oh. It's so good. It's just, it's like, ah. I love being oh. bunny. He's such a cute little Muppet. He is cute. I mean, every single Muppet looks just darling in their outfits. Piggy's ringlets. Janice's bonnet. Oh my god, I literally wrote that down. I was like, Janice is wearing the biggest, like, bonnet in the world. It's hilarious! Like, her huge cheekbones are, like, filling it. And I'm like, 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 there's there's no room for you in this bonnet. You are filling this entire bonnet. Sorry, Lewis, what were you going to say about Fozzie? No, actually, it's what you mentioned, the party scene. I mean, Fozzie as Fozzie Wig. It's just darling. And his little moment where he's standing there, he's like, look, my lads, dusk has fallen. And he's speaking in such a charming little way. It's so cute. The one thing that did make me laugh a little bit was when they had the bit where um, Fozzie's introducing Belle and Scrooge and you've got the band playing and then you've got the extras in the background dancing. I don't think they really knew what sort of how to dance. And there's like a couple where they're just like bopping their hands oh, about. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's so non-period dancing. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple of awkward extras in that scene who aren't particularly great. One thing we do get in this is obviously we get a young Waldorf and Statler yes. as Marley With and Marley. Hair. I know. With hair. Black hair. 
<laughs> it's so strange. It, but it's such a perfect, it's perfect that they managed to get a balcony joke into the into a Muppet's Christmas Carol. It's perfect. So the one thing that I was a bit like mm, with Statler and Waldorf, obviously playing Robert and Jacob Marley in this, we've lost Jim and Richard doing mm. Statler and Waldorf. So neither of them are original. And Dave Gould is doing Robert Marley and Jerry Nelson is doing Jacob Marley. And I guess maybe it's probably one of the first times that they were both taking on the Statler and Waldorf characters. And I felt like of all of the, you know, of all of those major Muppets that had obviously been inherited by other puppeteers um, because of Jim and Richard's passing, I felt like these were the two that for me, I was like, oh, that doesn't sound quite right. And it just sort of had a bit of a different vibe Mm. to it than what we're used to. And I know it's different because again, it's 15 years from what we're watching at the moment and whatever, but like everyone else, I didn't question at all. And I know that's obviously the reason that like Rolf, for instance, doesn't say anything. And... Oh, I know. He just gets one little, like, sort of moment. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I found it, it was the only, it was genuinely the only bit that I was a bit, like, jarred was both mm. times that we had, like, Statler and Waldorf doing business. I was like, oh, it just it's just not quite there yet. Yeah. I mean, it's hard, I think, for me at least, to be objective about Kermit because Steve Whitmire as Kermit is the voice that I mm-hmm. heard first and heard a lot. And so then when I hear Jim, at first there is a little adjustment for me in my brain to be like, oh, yeah, oh, that's the voice. But it's, yeah, so I don't know if I can really judge Steve Whitmire's Kermit voice in regards to how different... Yeah, he just sounds like Kermit to me as well. Yeah, it, and not and uh, the only, the, the sort of the current Kermit is the one that feels the most jarring. But he's, um, Matt's really been working on the voice and I think it's actually a lot better. So, oh really? Yeah. Okay. Well, well, that's good. oh well, that's good because it wasn't great in Muppets Haunted Mansion. Yeah, I think um that's what I've been seeing. So, oh good, that's good. Yeah. yeah. I was just about to say, do any of you have a uh, a particular like favorite song from the movie? Yeah, I would say my favorite song from the movie, and I know I mentioned it earlier, is "One More Sleep Till Christmas." Gentlemen, last close up for Christmas. Ooh. There's magic in the air this evening, magic in the air. The world is at her best, you know, when people love and care. The promise of excitement is one the night will keep. After all, there's only one more sleep till Christmas. I just think that whole sequence is really, really great from like Kermit starting it. And like you said, Lou, when he like blows out the candle and then just like the rats. They're so cute. Tidying up the books. They're so cute. And, you know, the whole like magic in the air. And it's just really, it's a really lovely like moment in the film. And then obviously that then segues into like the penguin skating moment. Yeah. I feel like it kind of like captures the joy of like Christmas Eve yeah. in a nice little bow. So yeah, I would definitely say One More Sleep Till Christmas is my favourite song. As the, the Chandlers usually watch uh, Muppet's Christmas Carol on Christmas Eve. And so hearing that song is always sort of like, it's nearly time. <laughs> it's like, it's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's super cute. How about you, Jade? I do really like It Feels Like Christmas. I think there's something yeah. very joyful, mm. just really wholesome. And it sort of balances that line of like, I think how a lot of us feel about Christmas in general, about it being nostalgic, but also... You're looking forward to this year, but 
you're also thinking obviously back to all of those those previous years and it's just a really happy loving song <laughs> it's in the singing of a street corner choir it's going home and getting warm by the fire it's true wherever you find love it feels like christmas a cup of kindness that we share with another a sweet reunion with a friend or a brother in all the places you find love it feels like christmas there's that line where it's like it's the summer of the soul in december Mm. and that is like that's such a perfect line like it's so sets up what christmas is so like it's just Mm. oh such a good lyric but i feel like maybe maybe thankful heart i just think it's such a lovely (gasps) end to the Mm. film Thankful heart with an endless joy With a growing family Every girl and boy will be Nephew and niece to me Nephew and niece to me We'll bring love, hope and peace to me Love, hope and peace to me Yes, and every night will end And every day will start With a grateful prayer and a thankful heart I feel like there's something quite Muppety about the fact that it's Scrooge sort of going from door to door, place to place, and like more Muppets are joining him and they're joining in. And there's just a real sort of like sense of building. Yeah. Escalation doesn't feel like the right word, but what's the word? What's the what's the musical term for that? Crescendo. (laughs) Crescendo. Thank you. Like it, it feels like it, it really does sort of build up to that that final i guess reconciliation with with yeah. bob pratchett and and saving tiny tim and everything yeah oh emma do you want to mention the little visual cameo that happens in that sequence so sorry yeah you have that sequence where you have mickle white's store which is really sweet because i think that actually goes back to michael Caine's dad as well who had a shop oh Am I that's making that cute up? i never realized that that's nice. Yeah, but it's Michael Caine's real name is Morris. Mickle yes. White. Oh, yeah. yeah. We mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Emma mentioned Michael White's idea. Yeah. And what's the other one? There's a shop that's called Statler and Waldorf's. Yes, I clocked that as oh. well. Yeah. Yeah. So they get a little shout out as well. The one thing I will say about Thankful Heart, though, even though I've just said it's like my favourite, why the hell is JP Gross there? <laughs> maybe, maybe he was also visited by three <laughs> yeah, ghosts maybe. during the night. <laughs> About you know that he's he sees like a, a ghost of Christmas future where like the Muppets have like all died because the <laughs> the theatre got shut down and you know they all get sort of like a a horrible future you know maybe maybe Miss Piggy becomes a spinster librarian <laughs> which is a, the worst fate a woman can have <laughs> in It's a Wonderful Life George I'm so sorry she turned into a a, a near sighted. <laughs> Insta with a hunch who works in a library. <laughs> it's so mean that movie. Lewis, what's your favourite song then? Oh, it's it's when love is gone. I mean, I I know it's it's just I love it. But if I was going to choose one that actually does feature Muppets in a way, um, do you know what? I'll go different from uh, both of you. I'll just choose the little a cappella bit that uh, Kermit and Robin do. I think it might be called just Christmas a- Scat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure. I'm sure it's been done. Uh, <laughs> um, I know I've said it a million times before. Whenever Robin turns up on the Muppet Show, this is the cutest Robin ever is, and it's the only bearable version of Tiny Tim in any Christmas Carol I've ever seen. I feel like the way that Jerry Nelson plays it, like he's not so sickly sweet and oh, 
I don't know, like, you, you, you don't sort of go like, oh, for God's sake, Tiny Tim. Like, you are just like, oh, you are adorable and yes, Scrooge needs to save you. <laughs> like, that's just... Yeah. In some productions, you're willing Tiny Tim to die. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, <laughs> when, when will this illness consume him? <laughs> like, No, he is really cute. I I don't know. Like, it'll be interesting to see how Robin does develop on The Muppet Show because we still haven't really seen him that many mm. times post his introduction, have we? So That's true. And I find him entirely bearable and fun in A Muppet Family Christmas too. Maybe I only like him at Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> Maybe he's that... a Christmas frog. <laughs> he's a Christmas frog. <laughs> and I guess maybe it helps with this that instead of being like the the cute little nephew, like he is just playing Kermit and Piggy's son. So that's a mm. bit of a different, like it positions him that little in a slightly different way than we normally see him as well. Yeah. Oh, we have to mention Belinda and Bettina. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> that was I love I love the bit with Piggy where she's like whatever and she yes, just whatever. turns I around. love that this is like Piggy finally having to deal with herself and like I you know yeah. like when <laughs> like when people have children and you're like and they are a little version of you and now you have to deal with you and this is like exactly <laughs> what they've done with Piggy and I think it's absolutely genius I love it they're so funny yeah. the little gasp they let out when <laughs> when Miss Piggy says and badly dressed and like, <laughs> <laughs> Um, them running to Kermit at the door when he arrives home is so cute. And we get a little cheeky moment with Miss Piggy where she gives him a, like a little squeeze on the butt. You hear a little like, <laughs> really? I <laughs> like, didn't notice yeah! that. <laughs> there's like a little moment where she gives him a little squeezy grope and you see him go, Hoo! and there's a little like <laughs> noise. It's, um, yeah, look out for that. It's a little like, you know, mommy and daddy kissing under the mistletoe. <laughs> it's, uh... <laughs> Aww. It's very sweet. They're amazing. They're so good. Yeah. They're puppeted by Dave Goles and Steve Whitmer, who obviously had a lot with one another. Like, because they were doing Gonzo and Rizzo together. They also did Dr. Honeydew and Beaker together. Um, they did Bettina and Belinda together. I'm like, these two, they must have just been like <laughs> joined at the hip yeah. throughout the entire production of this film. <laughs> <laughs> one more moment I do need to mention with. Kermit and Piggy at the door because they get a lot of nice business around the door when uh, Scrooge turns up to tell him and therefore I'm going to raise your salary and Miss Piggy comes around the door she slams Kermit to the side she's like and I'm about to raise you right off the pavement yeah. and she's like got a fist ready to go <laughs> and she's like Bur and the girl's like Burton? <laughs> and then she suddenly becomes like this coy like ah ha ha like standing behind and then she's like it's come in come in yeah like, it's so cute yeah. for her like slamming Kermit to the side and be like and I'm about to raise you right off the pavement it's just <laughs> it's great because I think like she's obviously kind of constrained by the role of Emily Cratchit but then they've still managed to infuse it with enough pigginess yeah and enough of her no nonsense and generally like I'm in charge I'm gonna do what I want to yeah. do yeah I also noticed a bit where that sequence obviously uh where they go to um the house and the after the bit with Bettina and Belinda and she looks at herself in the mirror and then she does a double take and looks at yeah. herself again <laughs> yeah, like she, I was like that's so yeah. piggy she does a full she does her full like Miss Piggy pose of like uh, <laughs> the open mouth smile yeah I think they do play with them being their Muppet characters and then being in character because obviously you have the bit at the school where Gonzo goes up and whispers to Sam the Eagle like 
British values, not American okay. values. Business. I've been meaning. Oh, I've been meaning to fix that shelf. Yeah. Is- <laughs> oh, and the pan across the little like busts to Gonzo and Rizzo, and then his eyes bulge. Yeah. He does his does his line. It's great, and they just slide off that shelf. Um, Sam gets a couple of really great lines in his brief time. He's in that. It, he's perfect to just. This is the thing, because there's such a good, almost repertory company of Muppets mm. at this point who are so clearly defined, that you do immediately sort of go, oh yeah, we can make him a school teacher. Oh, we can have them being the people that collect the money. Like, it's just fab. Yeah. <laughs> we say it quite often when we're talking about the Muppet show, that like with this, it is that Muppety twist on X. You know, it's that Muppety twist yeah. on the charity collectors. It's a Muppety twist on a headmaster. It's a Muppety twist. Yeah. On a a rubber chicken factory owner. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) And oh my god, the way Michael Caine has to sell that line and be like, he just says it. It's it's Fozzie Wiggs' old rubber chicken factory, and he just he he gets it out. He does it. It does. It really to the point where it doesn't even clang in your head until you sort of think about it, and you go, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) No, it's amazing. Like that. I feel like. Of all of his pretending he was in the RSC for this, surely that was the one that tested him the furthest, was having to <laughs> yeah. say that his career started at a rubber... I can't even say it. At a rubber chicken factory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it's fantastic. Oh. It's really good. I also really enjoyed, speaking of the rubber chicken factory, I did really love Animal trying to just hit that triangle, but grunting <laughs> away while doing it, and then just like hell no this is not like i can't i can't even play this part for a moment longer i need yeah, to giving just pure, let loose <laughs> giving pure chaotic five-year-old in the kids nativity at school <laughs> who's like i wanna hit it <laughs> like, i loved also that you know when he's doing the triangle janice and zoot and everyone are just playing on their violins and then as soon as animal starts drumming there's like trumpets and mm. all sorts of stuff going around like i love it and we get the little shot of rolf at and his piano which rolf. is very sweet looking very sweet and dapper as well he's okay emma he's alive I know. <laughs> oh i just think and i'm not trying to bring a downer to this at all but i think like obviously rolf was the character who was closest to jim and i think that yeah. they just couldn't bring themselves to actually try and recreate rolf you know when they were planning the film Jim really wouldn't have been dead for very long afterwards, you know, at the point that they started working on it. The movie really does have a sense of, like, the melancholy that's in this film Mm. feels really real and potent. Profound is the exact word. Those, when Tiny Tim has died or when Scrooge is looking at his own grave and, like, it's just, you feel... That loss that loss and absence and it's and it's just it's so threaded in in a such a beautiful way i think it's such a gorgeous tribute as well mm. it's um it's really gorgeously done and i think it's it's another reason why i think this movie is so affecting because you just feel that that energy coming through those muppets that they've they've lost jim and richard it's um yeah it is it's oh i also think you know, having watched it so much as a kid and maybe not necessarily appreciated, well, obviously everything to do with Jim, but also just largely like the kind of general values of A Christmas Carol. Like, obviously you get the main message of like, be kind, be nice, Change. don't be greedy. Yeah, be a better person. But like, there's something about watching it right now with the state of the world at large, like oh. that's really actually the 90s in a lot of ways were 
boom times for a lot of people. Like it was kind of out of keeping with the general sentiment and mood. But now it really like, I don't know, this Christmas in particular, like it's really kind of like, oh yeah, great. We're back to Victorian kind of levels of like the haves and the have nots. And yeah, yeah. brilliant. I mean, but it, it just makes it that much more resonant. Jeez, Jade. No, Way like to bring I'm not... down the Christmas. No, but mood. then it does. <laughs> but then it's so celebratory at the end because it is. Yeah, but I just like I think the same as talking about like the the melancholy in it. Like it's not afraid to go to these quite dark places and to be quite honest about them. But then it's still a Disney movie, so then it's still like, but we're gonna bring it back up and we're gonna have a big scene and there's gonna be a turkey that's like, they say it's twice the size of Bean Bunny. It's probably more like ten times the size of Bean Bunny and. You know, I mean, especially that very final scene where, as usual, they're trying to pack in as many Muppets into the frame as you possibly, possibly can. I mean, you know, talk about something feeling sort of plentiful and bountiful and full of life and energy and celebration. It does definitely bring you back up at the end, Um, which I think, again, is probably why as a kid you come away just like, yay, Muppets, Christmas Carol. And even, you know, even today having watched it, I was like, oh, it's just so lovely. But there is, there are actually some genuinely, I mean, it's Dickens at the end of the day. Like it isn't just airy fairy. Like it's, it's, you know, it's grounded in reality, isn't it? Even when you're flying around with albumin Muppets. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, Dickens is, you know, it was always a shock to me when I discovered, read Oliver Twist that Oliver gets shot at one point, and I was like, "They don't do that in a musical." <laughs> <laughs> <You're> like, what? <laughs> like it's so weird. <laughs> oh, anyway, I feel like we could talk about this movie for hours. <laughs> like, and we've we're getting close to the full runtime of the movie in terms of our recording at this point. So, <laughs> at this rate, we could have just done a, a recounting of it ourselves, like all the way through. But um. We should probably wrap up. Um, why don't we do our MVMP for MCC? MVMP MCC. <laughs> Muppet, most, valued Muppet, most valued Muppet performer, Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Emma, who is your MVMP MCC for <laughs> this week? Oh, I really, it's really difficult. I honestly don't know. I have so many. I have like... The Rat Bookkeepers. I have like Miss Piggy as Emily Cratchit. I have Kermit and Gonzo as Charles Dickens. I re- It was really, really hard. I think it's going to have to be Kermit because he just plays Bob Cratchit so well. Um, and he just has some great moments throughout the film. Really sweet moments, really sad moments. You know, his like interactions with Scrooge and obviously you know, uh, his family and Tiny Tim and obviously with Miss Piggy as well and their whole kind of like little family. And he's just goes, you know, it's like really sweet and earnest. And also, like I said, I really love One More Sleep Till Christmas as well. So, yeah, I think my MVMP for MCC is Kermit the Frog. Well done, Emma. I I said it. I was really impressed that you managed that on one go. Yeah. (laughs) I can't believe it. We keep that in. <laughs> we got it. Um, who's your most valued Muppet performer, Jade? Honestly, I think they all do a great job, but Rizzo. Just Rizzo. Like, he's just perfect in this. And it's making me realise how much 
I miss him from the Muppet show that we're watching at the moment, but also I miss him from current Muppet productions. Like, I need Rizzo back. I miss him so much. And he's just perfect in this. He's such a great little comedic foil to Gonzo being relatively straight as Charles Dickens in this. Um, Rizzo's just providing that Greek chorus of little one-liners, little snippets, loads of little bits of physical comedy, which we've spoken about quite a lot because it's so good. I think he's amazing. And I think actually, you know, thinking back to when I was watching it as a really young child, I think he obviously is part of what keeps you going in this quite dour, melancholic Mm. tale (laughs) that you've got that Muppety twist on it and you've got Rizzo there talking about food, hoarding jelly beans, getting frozen, getting lit on fire, landing on a goose, uh, getting stuck on a fence, then realising, or not even realising, but (laughs) sliding through it. And I don't know, like, it's just... (laughs) I've just remembered, Emma, we forgot all of our favourite lines. The Please please save my little broken body. (laughs) Yeah. And also, cheese is for us Mises. Cheese is for us us Mises. (sighs) Yeah, I just think he's fantastic and i like i think it's a stroke of genius that jerry jewel did the whole gonzo as charles dickens and then put rizzo with him as well like i think it would be such a different proposition if they'd have just done it as a more straight retelling of a christmas carol and also you probably wouldn't even have that much rizzo in it because what what character would like would he play so yes Rizzo the Rat as himself is my MVMP MCC. Lewis, who's yours? <laughs> this is really difficult. Because I realise we we haven't even talk, talked that much about the three new puppets that we get as ghosts. We mentioned them a little bit, but we didn't really talk about the ghost of Christmas present at all as a puppet who is just gorgeous. I mean, part of me is tempted to give it to the ghost of Christmas yet to come just because I think it's such a creepy creation. Oh, I don't know. Uh, I, do you know what? I, ha- I think I just have to go for Miss Piggy. <laughs> because you're waiting so long. Not in a bad way, but you're waiting, anticipating. It's like Cher in Mamma Mia 2. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> ah! That's, that's the only way to party, little girl. <laughs> Sorry, that's more Elvis than Cher. That's because you know it's Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if I try to do an Elvis impression, I'll get Cher. Like... That's the only way to party, like, little girl. Is that a helicopter? No. Yeah. Where's Cher? I, I, sorry. Well, now to, derail, <laughs> to derail your MVMP MCC, but when I saw it, <laughs> and I was quite tipsy, <laughs> the friend I was watching it with, the helicopter went, and I went, here she comes! And she literally, like, I think she'd forgotten <laughs> that she was in it, because it obviously takes so long. And she was like, who? And I was like, just watch. It's like just. It's like I assume this is going to be spectacular. <laughs> and you get that one random foot that's clearly not Cher's yeah. foot, like step out of the helicopter. And it's so... Anyway, sorry, well, Miss yeah. Piggy as so, Cher. Miss Piggy as Cher as Mrs. Cratchit. Um, I think she's beautifully costumed. She's funny. She's touching. You get, you get, you re- you get to see a side of Piggy you never really get to see, which is her being forlorn and sad. And she's so gorgeous at it. And when she's comforting Kermit, it's just yeah. And then she gets so many fabulous little one-liners. So I think I have to make Miss Piggy my MVMP MCC. All right, Jade. Why don't we jingle our bells over to Jade's festive Muppet Book Club, Jade Muppet Festive Christmas Club book. 
club. <laughs> they were some words. <laughs> they were. <laughs> just before we do, because you just mentioned them and I realised that we haven't really spoken about them. I just want to give a shout out to the puppeteers for the, the ghosts. Um, because uh, other than Jerry Nelson, they're all names that are currently unfamiliar to us um, from The Muppet Show as we're currently watching. The Ghost of Christmas Past was actually done by four puppeteers, which is kind of amazing. Oh, wow. So you've got Karen Prell, Rob Tigner, I think you say that, or Tyner, William Todd Jones and Jessica Fox. The Ghost of Christmas Present is Donald Austin and Jerry Nelson. And then The Ghost of Christmas Yet to Come is Donald Austin and Rob Tigner. Tigner, sorry, I don't know how to say it. Generally amazing, amazing creations. Mm. And they're, they're absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah. And yeah, especially the... As you said, we haven't really spoken about the Ghost of Christmas Present, but his robe is absolutely stunning. Resplendent. Really, yeah, it like sparkles and glistens. And it's so clever how his hair changes and greys as the scene goes on. And then when it's that full white. And then his little entrance as well at the beginning when he's massive. And mm. it's, always, it's just lovely. Like his big head bopping through that doorway. It's just such a lovely little bit. It's great. Yeah. He's a very yeah. large absent-minded spirit. It's great. No, it's amazing. So sorry, just wanted to give them yes. a little shout out. So this part about Christmas Carol is right near the end of the book because I think he wrote the book not long after the film had come out. Um, but there is a brief mention of it and a brief mention of some of the first projects that the Muppets and all of them worked on after Jim Henson passed away. The Muppet Christmas Carol. Directed by Brian Henson, the film differs from preceding Muppet films in that major Muppets are asked to portray characters other than themselves, characters who are already familiar to audiences around the world via Charles Dickens's classic story. Veteran British actor Michael Caine was cast as Scrooge, and Kermit, now performed by Steve Whitmire, fell into place as Bob Cratchit, with Miss Piggy rather astonishingly but effectively cast as the dowdy Mrs Cratchit. Along with other Muppet favourites from Statler and Waldorf to the Electric Mayhem, they provide a sense of continuity on screen, with Brian's direction and Frank Oz's services as executive producer assuring the trademark Henson touch. The Muppet Christmas Carol also represented a highly successful amalgam of the English and American halves of the company. It successfully combined the emotional content and the rich, fanciful period sets, lighting and costumes more characteristic of the London productions with the brash, funny, quintessentially American Muppet characters. More important, though, it represented a rebirth of all that the company had stood for over the years. It was a reaffirmation, a critical demonstration that the Muppets would not only survive, but would continue to evolve. That's lovely. And it's it does. It achieves that fully. I mean, this, I think, for so many people, is their jumping-on point for the Muppets. It's a beautiful film, gorgeously shot, perfectly performed and no wonder so many people like us sort of fall in love with the Muppets through this and it becomes uh, a staple of Christmas. I have seen this movie so many times that I'm now going to reveal that we can, now we've got to the end of the podcast. I didn't even watch the movie today like because I wanted to wait until closer to Christmas to watch it because it didn't feel right and I was able to talk about it like I'd like just seen it. I can close my eyes and watch Muppets Christmas Carol in my head. And I cannot wait to watch it at Christmas. And I hope so many of our listeners at home will also do the same. And listen to our podcast about it too. 
Well, Lewis, I hope you do enjoy it when you watch it for the three thousandth and twenty second time I know. this year. <laughs> I, I mean, I remember definitely as a kid watching this outside of Christmas, just putting it on on like a you know a nice March day, just because I just <laughs> you know really love it. So uh, yeah, I'm very excited. Thank you so much for listening to a festive Muppetsational. If you enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate and review as it really helps spread the word about the podcast. You can follow us on social media. We are at Muppetsational on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok and Facebook. You can contact us at hi-ho at muppetspodcast.com and you can find out more about us and the podcast at muppetspodcast.com. Thank you so much for joining us for this little festive special. Um... We'll be back to our regular schedule of uh, covering the Muppet Show in due course. We might take a little Christmas break, we should, but we'll uh, we'll be back with some more brand new episodes. But until then, we hope you have a very merry Christmas. I've been Lewis Chandler. Happy Christmas! I've been Jay Turner. Merry Christmas, and I've been Emma Chandler. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Feliz Navidad. <laughs> 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 we shall see you soon on another episode of Muppetsational. Bye! Bye! Our theme music is Peppy Pepe by Kevin MacLeod and our artwork is designed by Charlotte Rudge who you can follow at at charlie underscore r underscore rudge on Instagram. That was a funny show. Yes, it was. I wonder if they meant it that way. (laughs) 